We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 131. Our guest today is known for her speed. She is a super talented American-Israeli show jumper who competes for Israel. She actually won alongside her team the 2019 Olympic qualifiers in Moscow, which gave Israel a spot in the 2020 and now 2021 Summer Olympics, which will actually be the first time that Israel has earned a place in Olympics in equestrian sport. So super exciting times. A lot of her horses are horses that she has brought up since they were super young and they have produced them into really talented, really fast horses. So I was so excited to have her on today to talk a little bit about how she got to where she is today and the process that she puts her young horses through to make them so successful. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Ashley Bond. I would love to hear your story, but first, how did you find yourself in the equestrian world? Well, that happened with... I mean, I was so young. My dad put me on a horse way before I could walk. And then it just developed from there. We had a barn, Far West Farms, that was pretty much shares a border with Hidden Hills where we live. And I took a few lessons in Hidden Hills. And one of the trainers was a trainer at Far West. So it just kind of, I guess, fate meant to be thing. But my dad has ridden his whole life and he was in the cutting and polo world until I was about eight. And then once I got doing, you know, got into the sport more and more serious about it, he ended up coming into our world. So yeah, that was the background. And we have to rewind because I totally forgot the fact that you were at Far West. I used to work there like three or four years ago when I lived in California. It was, oh oh my gosh, amazing. Got to exercise, ride and train for Nick and Lisa. Oh, Oh, that's great. Yeah. Lisa was my (laughs) trainer. Amazing. When I was a little kid. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah um, it's really cool. So as you were growing in the sport, where did you find yourself as far as like, you know, your schedule and, and horses? At what point did you have your own horse? What did that look like? You know, I, I would say, I think I was like seven or eight when we bought my first pony. I believe it was Mouse, whose show name was the Houston Hustle. And she was a really, really safe, sweet pony. And then I think I was like eight or nine, maybe, yeah, around then when we got, you know, started getting a little fancier ponies. And then I would say my first horse was Flying Colors. He was like 15 one. And he was a paint. He was pink and blue. <laughs> you, when you would wash him, he literally was bright pink and blue. It was the oh, coolest thing. And he was like the meter. I mean, he could do like meter 30, but I mean, I did all the children's jumpers and like, I think it was the modifieds back then. So like nice. meter, meter 10s and 15s on him and won everything with him when I was like 10 and 11. And then once I was a little bit older, we kind of, you know, started getting horses with more scope and stuff like that. Yeah. Was it, is it true? I think I saw somewhere that you won your first Grand Prix when you were 16. Yes. What's your, what's your kind of like memory of that? So it was in Tahoe. It was Hits Tahoe actually. And they only ran it for like a couple years, but it was a beautiful 
it was a beautiful backdrop. And I remember Jenny McAllister was in the class and I believe John Pierce. And, you know, there were like, I, I think Will Simpson was in, my dad was in it on uh, my seven-year-old at the time who I ended up taking to the Olympic trials cool. later. But I had a horse named Pablo that we bought in Europe, I believe for like $30,000. And then we had another horse named Lopaloop. And I did both of them and I was first and second. And my dad was sixth on our other horse, Fabius. But it was just amazing. Like, it, like to just be there and just like, you know, you're so young, you don't really know what you can't do, you know? Yeah. So you just kind of ride. Well, I, at that point, I really just rode off the seat of my pants. Like I, I didn't, you know, I don't think I was as definitely not as, um, polished as I, you know, not that I'm so polished, but I definitely was rough, (laughs) like put it that way. It was more rough around the edges, but yeah, I mean, I, I just remember like flying around the jump off and just going fast and having fun. And I try to not lose that, you know, as the years go by, you want to remember like why we do this and to Mm -hmm. not lose that excitement and love for this. Absolutely. As you were growing up, I mean, obviously having such an awesome, significant win at a young age and you've continued to have some notable wins. Was there ever a time that you were successful as you were young and as you were growing up, there was that stigma that you had to constantly uh, keep up with yourself or your wins and, and that pressure or what was that kind of like for you growing up? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, I mean, I think that's something that never leaves to be honest. Like you're always trying to be consistent, you know, for me, it's, I used to just want to win, 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 win. And I still enjoy winning. Don't get me wrong, but it was more win focused and go as fast as you can. Whereas now it's like, you know, I try to be smarter and I try to just you know, be consistent and clearer for, you know, cause you can't go clear every time, but you know, clearer for, and that the horses are getting better every round. And that when I go in the ring, it's a deposit, hopefully instead of a withdrawal and, mm. you know, and just how do I get better and how do I make my horses better, which is an ever evolving situation in what we do because we're working with animals and they're not machines and they're always different. So, you know, I just definitely when I was younger, I, I think I, felt that more. But as I've gotten older, I think I've just come to the realization that it's, you know, you can only control what you can control. And if I do all the things that, you know, I know work for us, like we've done this so long now that our program is our program. And, you know, I, my team, we know each other so well. And, you know, the horses, luckily I, you know, most of the horses I've had now for a while. So I know them really well. So really it's just, how do I maintain? And yeah, like every time I go in the ring with Donnie, like he has a great record and he's young and, you know, he won the five-star here last year. And it's like, how do I make sure that I just don't let the horse down, you know? And, and cause he's, you know, everything. And how do I keep him in his peak mm-hmm. form to perform here at WEF against the best and all of those things. So, I mean, it's, it's a daily I wouldn't say struggle because I enjoy it, but it's Mm -hmm. a daily task, (laughs) I would say. Yeah, absolutely. As you have developed within the sport, has your kind of taste changed in your ideal ride or what do you look for when you are looking at horses to join your team? 
Yeah, I think the difference is, is back in the day, I wasn't my, you know, I, I didn't have the experience I have now with jumping at the top level. Sure. So I would maybe sacrifice my style for like a horse I thought looked cool or had the scope yeah. or, oh yeah, I could ride, I could figure out how to ride that. You know, yeah. like I think now I know what my ideal type is and that small, hot, you know, small, hot, really quick off the ground mm-hmm. and takes you to the jump and maybe a little sensitive, maybe a little bit, you know, requires like a soft touch or is really like, like I have four chestnut mares. So I guess you could say like, (laughs) like the spiciness of like the mind, like I want a horse with a good mind, but I can deal with a lot of like attitude and work with the horse. So I think like now it's, I don't make that I don't, I don't make that sacrifice of like, I just like the, like if I see an amazing horse, I'm like, oh my God, that thing's amazing. But you know, I just don't think that's for me. Like mm-hmm. I, 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 whereas before I would have been like, let's just get it, you yeah, know, cause we yeah. buy young horses. Like we were, you know, we develop young horses. That's what we've done for a long time. And for us to, you know, be able to do this, like that's how we have to do it, you know? And so I try to find those as young horses and they're a lot less expensive so I can be picky. Whereas down the road, if they're six, seven, eight, you know, I can't afford to Mm -hmm. buy the, the superstar ones that end up like being ones that I've made Mm. from young ones for like, you know, not very much money. Exactly. So I think that's what like it comes down to just not sacrificing. Like it's all about the partnership with you and the horse and mm-hmm. not sacrificing, you know, being, being okay with the fact that you have type or that you can be choosy about your type and right. sticking with it, you know, mm-hmm. and not just, not just, I mean, I, at least I think that way for myself, mm-hmm. the best chance I have is being, um, on a horse that I ride that's like my perfect ride. I have the best chance to get to the highest level in the sport totally. and win. So that's what I've, you know, I'm proud of our, our group now. Cause they all fall in line of like my style yeah. of horse. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. For someone listening who maybe has a hot horse or has mm-hmm. that chestnut thoroughbred mare <laughs> <laughs> type mentality, yeah. um, what would you, what kind of advice would you give to that person working with that type of hot horse instead of against? Yeah. So I think it's like a fine line between being in control and out of control. Mm -hmm. I would say like for, it depends also. I mean, some chestnut mares, I mean, I have a bay, I have the only bay mare in my barn is probably the bitchiest of all of them. Yeah. And, but okay. Like the chestnut mares, they all, all the ones I have have blood. They all have attitude in different ways. Like, you know, Stella is my, her show name's Imagine. She's my up and coming. She did the eight, she did the meter, she did the three star, sorry, last week and was won the meter 45 and then had one down. I had one down in the 150, but it was Mm. like her biggest class. She's only eight. We got her as a five-year-old. So like that one is like really hot, but she's really smart at the fence. Like Mm. she takes her time and pats the ground and jumps up, but like she's, solely to the leg. Like we've worked a lot on like getting her to not drift in the corners and bulge at the fence. Like she she really likes to dive left, you know? So I do a lot of like 
lateral work with her and mm-hmm. Cavaletti work at home and just like slow and making her like almost hug the right side of the jump with her body yeah. more than her face. So like that's that one who's, but she's cranky. Like if you kick her in the belly, she'll buck. Like yeah. she's, <laughs> so you have to be like, let me ask you to move over instead mm-hmm. of let me tell you to move over. Yeah. And let her think it was her idea. <laughs> right. And then it's also, I, every one of the chestnut mares, except for the newest one, which is squishy who goes by Semily. She's, she's the newest. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did get her right before COVID happened, but we were in California, so we didn't really get to show much. Sure. So it still feels like very green because she didn't have much experience when I got her. And then yeah. everything's great until until we go above the meter 45 and then it's like the bitch I don't have enough bit because she mm. gets stronger in the ring and she's right. just like gotten hotter because she's gotten more fit which is all good things but it's like how do I get her to like be with me without over controlling her because mm-hmm. you know she also will get like pissy if I try to put too much bit so just like you know but that uh, outside of that one all the other ones like I kind of know the system and they're all like hot like mm-hmm. t- like I ride them at a very forward rhythm and I just like to stick with that and let them worry about the fence yeah lazy is also like a horse that was just wild she's still like she looks like a wild child when I'm yeah. out there on her yeah. but to be honest like she is one of my easiest horses other yeah. than the fact that she jumps really really hot like she kicks out really hard behind mm-hmm. so my hat I need to I need to put my hair in my helmet, I think. Um, <laughs> but other than that, like she's actually become my most straightforward horse because I just pick a gallop and mm-hmm. then I don't really do much other than like slight adjustments for the distance. She was difficult. Like it took us two years or a year and a half to like form a really good partnership. Like it, mm-hmm. it took a while. But yeah, like I just love, I love when they fight and then they learn how to fight for you and with you if you have them and like it's it's hard because people get a little nervous I think at that speed but a lot of those horses like they get nervous if you're behind the rhythm Mm -hmm. and the minute you pick up a better like a forward rhythm and just go at their pace it takes them a bit to learn it to in the sense to jump clear but it's like once they figure that out it's like they calm down they it's like you're traveling at a really fast pace but it feels slow, if that makes sense. Like it feels relaxed and they feel like way more confident and way more secure with themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just like fine line of being, like I said, being out of control, but in control because you're, you're, you're at a rhythm. That's like a jump off pace almost. Totally. And then you just got to like make your track work for that horse with like, you know, you don't want to break up the rhythm too much. So if a line's tight, you maybe bend it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a bending line, you go past your center more and bend it more, you know, yeah. like, so things like that, that I change for them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, cool. I would say just let them be who they are and then try to like form a partnership with them instead of demanding. Right. Being Smart. demanding. Yeah, absolutely. Taking a quick minute to talk about our sponsor today, Animo. Animo is known for its elegance and style, but above all, comfort and refinement of materials. These are the key words of the Animo brand. High performance, technical, and breathable fabrics blend with the colors and typical charm of the Italian product. Animo has revolutionized the way riders dress, an elegant and harmonious look that does not overlook the technical needs of competitive performances. To experience it for yourself, visit usanimo.com. 
On the website, you will find more information about Animo's newest shopping experience called Animo to Go, where you will get a delivered box of custom-picked apparel to your door, allowing you to try on clothes in the comfort and safety of your home. Use code PODCAST to receive a free gift with your first purchase. Again, that website is usanimo.com. That's U-S-A-N-I-M-O.com. Thank you so much, Animo. All right, let's get back to the episode. With having young horses, I mean, especially, obviously it's going to be different horse to horse because each horse is different, but you have to have a pretty rigorous program at home to get them to be the success that they are for you now. So what would be some of your favorite kind of at home exercises and your go-tos that you like to work on at home? Okay. So like, it's funny because I hear a lot and everyone has their own program and, but I'm not a big exercise person. Okay. I really don't do many bounces or grids or mm-hmm. actually I really never do them to be honest. I have one that we just put up for the first time in like years, I would yeah. say two years. And it's just like four verticals in a bend against the rail and like they're just bounces and they don't go up. We don't put them very big mm-hmm. and it's just there if I want to do it on one horse or not. Yeah. But yeah. I've never found for me, unless it's like maybe a baby, like a really young horse that's just trying to figure out its body. But honestly, we do everything with the flat work. We're all about like getting a horse broke in the body and broke on the ground, like on the flat. And then, and then just giving them experience at the fence. You know, I'm going to use some canter rails, V poles. If I feel like the horse needs to learn to use its front end better, you know, things like that, but very sparingly. I also think that I, I love poles and cavalettis. Like if mm-hmm. my number one thing is like these horse, horses are jumping horses. Like we don't, we're not flatting horses, you know? So like, how do we get to jump without breaking them and, right. and not putting a lot of pressure on their joints and everything? So I think doing cavaletti work and pole work almost on a daily basis is really good for them and their minds and just rideability and working on things that maybe you know, like something showed itself and then I want to go fix something, you know, I would do it over Cavalettis or maybe just like pick a, like if I couldn't get a horse back in a five, it was like, you know, a five and a half and I wanted Mm -hmm. to do six, I would just set up two verticals and make it, you know, rebuild what I struggled with. Yeah. So I'm more of like, of the mindset of like, I mean, as young, well, with young horses, it's completely just confidence and, yeah. and giving good experiences. I mean, I don't like with young horses, I try to keep it very simple. Mm-hmm. And then they tell me when they're ready to do things like sure. with Donnie, he was seven and doing meter 45s and winning. And like, but that's not for every seven-year-old. I have another seven-year-old right now that I just did in his second or third seven-year-old class. And he was third today. And he's a horse that it's going to take longer because he's he's a little spooky and he's really careful, Hmm. you know, and he has all the qualities, but he just needs more time mentally, Mm -hmm. you know? And then my eight year old, I mean, has barely any experience and she just goes in and jumps them. It like jumps, wins the meter 45 was third in the other meter 45. I mean, like she's, so it just really depends on the horse when, when the young, when you're dealing with the young horses. But again, it's like every horse is just such an individual. So it's like, who needs what, you know, on what day. And I try not to jump, you know, I try not to jump train at home too much. Like, especially when we're showing here. Sure. 
you know, and if I'm at home and I'm not showing, they probably jump like once a week and not very big, just like my meter 60 horse will probably jump like a meter 35 track with some baby meter 40 verticals, things like that. But again, simple, just working on like speed. I would say I, I just always travel at a quick pace. So I teach the horses to get used to that. That that would be, I guess maybe the, one of the main things about my program. I'm always traveling, even at home when I'm training, it's always at that rhythm. Mm -hmm. Love it. Do you feel like at any point in time or even today, do you get nervous before you go into the ring or when you're showing or what, what do you do to get yourself prepared? So, okay. So actually today that's perfect. That's perfect. Cause today was di- a little different normally. So I, I don't like to call it nerves. My dad has always, cause he came from the acting world and yep. like he, his acting coach and had instilled a lot of like really valuable things, but it's adrenaline. We like mm-hmm. to call it adrenaline. So it yeah. doesn't have a negative tone to it. Cause that's why we do this. It's like a drug and it's better. And yeah, it's just like, and people, I think they think, oh my God, I'm so nervous. And then they worry about their heart racing instead of like their job. So normally my heart does not speed up at all. If anything, I get extra like calm for big stuff. Or if I'm like interna- competing internationally or things like that, like in Europe, yeah. I normally get more Zen. But today, because I think, you know, I just, the last two weeks ago when I did Donnie in the West, it was just like, he was tired. He was going his second week in a row he just didn't feel like he just felt lethargic. And I, for the first time ever was like having to kick him to the back rail and I just didn't ride very well. And I think I just had that in my head today. Cause like we're supposed to do nation's cup week next week. So there's like a lot of pressure and normally I thrive under that, but today, like my heart started racing. And then as it started racing, I was just like, okay, you know, focus on the job, focus on the track, keep going over my plan. So it's like, you don't, give attention, you give, you, you force that adrenaline to help you focus on your job and make you more of an assassin, you know, like more of like that ninja, you know, badass that you need to be when you go out there. So I think people spend too much time talking about their nerves and how nervous they are instead of like making it like a good thing and like helping it, you know, having it help you to focus on what you're doing and enjoy that feeling. Like if that feeling comes, like my dad always said, like, welcome it, tell it to come to the party and like, have it help you focus on your job. Exactly. Yeah. I love, that's a great mindset. You recently changed your citizenship. So like, tell me a little bit about how that came about and, and that process for you. So I changed, it would be, it'll be, well, I'll be 36 in April and I changed three years ago on my birthday. So yeah, it's, it's gone by fast. I would say I got married obviously and had a daughter and I'd ridden for the U S team for many, many years and just felt like I needed a change to be honest. And I actually considered switching to ride for Israel many years previous of switching for good. But my dad was a little concerned just because, you know, Israelis have been targeted before and they're protective and, Mm -hmm. you know, it just, and honestly, I guess it just wasn't the right time, you know, but when I had Scotty and I wanted to have my life and 
be able to compete at the top level because I still had the, you know, goals, the aspirations to like go to the games and go to WEG and do all of these things. I just felt like it was just the right move for me in my life. And, and it's something that, you know, has always been a part, like my dad was born in Israel, like my, his whole side of the family are all like Israeli. And, you know, so it's, it's very much a part of like who I am and part of my character. So it was also like, for that reason, I just felt like it was just the right choice. Like it just felt, everything just felt right about it. And they, you know, Daniel Blumen had switched and then Danny had obviously been is writing for Israel for many years. And Mm -hmm. I just felt like, and then Abby Michon was switching. So it just felt like also that we had a legitimate team that could also do some good things. And I don't know. I just, I, it was just the right time. And I was really excited to be able to do it so quickly because my dad was born there. I was able to just go and get my passport and, and yeah. So cool. Love that. Obviously the Olympic games were delayed, but tell me a little bit about the, yeah. What was the prep and like qualifying process for you? What was kind of your experience leading up to what would have been the Olympic games last year? Yeah. So, I mean, for us, because we're such a small um, team, there's not many of us. I would say last year it was more, I would say last year, actually, it was more, I mean, with Danny, with Lizzie Mary and Mm -hmm. Adriano, you know, and then Donnie had just won the five star. I feel, I felt like we had like three really good horses. Abby with Kosa, she was green, Mm. greener and obviously more seasoned now. But I actually think the, the weight the the delay for our team especially was really good because now we have a lot more horses and riders totally that I don't think would have been considered last year just because they were greener and also Donnie was only nine so it was like yeah ideally it's nicer for him to be a year older if I get chosen so I mean and for us there's not really like a qualification it's more of you know, Hans and Jeroen watching us and seeing who's peaking at the right time. And then those, you know, they pick the team. So there's not really, yeah. So it's a, it's a lot less, I think, than with the U S team. I I don't know about now with them, but before there used to be trials and the whole thing. And then you'd like go on teams and tours and go to Europe and do all this jumping. And I just like, it's just so much jumping before you then go to a championship. Yeah. So I think it's just way better for the horses, you know, you know, you're doing a bit less, you're, you know, you get the experience, but you don't have to kill your horse to get there, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's great that it's like, I mean, I was going to be very happy to go last year, but I was also like happy that it got postponed. Totally. Yeah. What would you say is an area of the industry that you are particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? You know, I was, I was thinking about this. I, I don't think it's something that is not, obviously this is talked about, but I don't know how much people put an emphasis on the development of young horses and like, I, I mean, we, you know, we buy them really young and we develop them. Like I really mm-hmm. am passionate about the young horses. I think it's also a way for people that don't have all the money to go buy, like, you know, the horses that are already going 
I mean, even if they're like at a meter 35 level, if they're like eight or yeah. seven, they're going to be a lot of money if they show the potential to do the top sport. Right. So for people that, you know, can't go out there and spend millions of dollars, there's a way to do it where you can get the quality. You just have to put the time in. So for me, it's the it's buying young or breeding. We've done a lot of breeding as well. I have a baby from Chella who's four this year and she has another one being born this year. And I have another, my eight, my nine-year-old has an emerald baby that's three back home. And then I have, you know, there's two three-year-olds in Europe and I have, you know, another hopefully five-year-old that we're going to get. And so I'm, I really think it's important to just fill in the gaps in your string and get like, if you're able to get young horses and I mean, Europe is better because they're just less expensive. Sure. And then also I think just like flat work, you know, like I think people in our world, okay, I'm not talking about the like Daniel Doysers and the Ludgers and the Mark Marco Kutchers and the McLeans. Like, there's obviously the people at the top top sport like are great at flatting horses and getting mm-hmm. them broke and doing all of that. But I feel like it's really lost mm-hmm. at the lower levels. Like yeah. people just don't know how to get horses broke. Mm-hmm. And because my dad comes from the Western cutting world. And then the polo world, he brings such a different level of knowledge when it comes to that. And I think it's just something that's not really a focus in our sport. And it should be because, I mean, so much of it is just rideability. Like it's, I mean, and also the teeth. I mean, I think I see so many horses that just are shaking their heads like crazy and it's, the majority of the time it happens to be teeth right. and, and they're like, Oh, my vet does teeth. I'm like, do you go to your general doctor for teeth? <laughs> like, no, you exactly. need a specialist to do a horse's teeth. Like I don't understand that philosophy either. So like we do that with our young horses, like before they ever get a bit put in their mouth, mm-hmm. they get their teeth done by our dentist who comes from the reigning world where mm. those horses cannot shake their heads. You know, they yeah. need to be perfectly focused on their job. So I think it's like, if I'm saying the number one most important thing when you're breaking and starting a young horse is to get their teeth done so that when you put a bit in their mouth, it's a good experience from the beginning. Yeah. And then getting them broke and either having someone do it for you that knows what they're doing, like a cowboy or someone that really understands how to get a horse to give in the body, move off the leg. I mean, I can't tell you how many horses I've either tried or gotten and they just are so dead-sided and they just don't know how to give in the body and if they're not giving in the body then mentally they're not giving to you and they won't you know that that's like a why you know in the wild with the herds like the alpha Mm -hmm. makes the other ones move off like when he turns around and puts his butt like they got to move away from pressure so it's the same concept you need to be the alpha on your horse And by doing, by getting them to move off the body in the sides, you know, people always end up like thinking it's the face. The face is secondary. You got to get them moving off the body, you know, that'll help with the face. But yeah, so I mean, that's kind of like, I would say, I know it's a kind of a bunch of things, but it all, it's like the young horses. It's Mm -hmm. the development of the young horses. It's all of those things. Like, I think it just all goes together. And then, because I get a lot of people asking me, like, how do I get into the sport if I don't have the money? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you got to find someone who knows what they're doing to like either study under mm-hmm. and catch ride. Because there are people in this sport that have gotten to the top that 
had no money mm-hmm. and they just were hungry, but you got to be hungry. Right. Like if you don't have the finances to, to buy your own horse or do it, all of that, you just got to go work for someone and groom and ride and, you know, do all of those things. But yeah, but I think for us, like for me, the thing I'm most passionate about is like getting the young ones, developing them and bringing them to the top sport. Like that's, that's something that I take my dad and I and our team take so much pride in. Cause then like when you're the person that started them or like did their first show or their third show and you've taken them all the way from there to the meter 60 and then they win. Yeah. That's like all on you guys and your team. And you can't be like, you know, especially when it goes bad, you know, that also you have to own that. And then, but when it goes right and you just keep being able to produce horses from a young age, it's just like a Testament, I think, to your program and what you do. And that's like why we do this. Yeah. So cool. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat with me. It was so fun. As you're gearing up for this year, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. No, this was great. I really appreciate it. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.